brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Mind-expanding, heart-opening, talking music to raise your vibration. Some people consider it the shifting of the ages. Others see it as a whole new paradigm for humanity. But whatever you want to call it, it's hard to deny that we are in a moment of immense change. A moment challenging us to wake up and live life more consciously. This is Eric Rankin. And I'm Michelle Anderson. And you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Where the conversation is always about raising the vibration of love, compassion, happiness, forgiveness, stewardship, health, and peace. Thank you for joining the conversation. This is Deepak Chopra. Hi, I'm Marianne Williamson. Hi, this is Greg Braden. And you are listening to Awakening Code. Awakening Code. Awakening Code Radio. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Awakening Code Radio. I am one-third of your Awakening Code Radio team. My name's Eric. Sitting right next to me is Michelle Anderson. And Eric. Eric means king. 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 <laughs> you want to say my middle name means crown? Huh? Yeah. You want to say my phone number spells king? Accidentally. And your, your son's name means little, little king. king. Right. So no there you go. There. Yeah, full of myself. <laughs> um, and we always want to acknowledge Colleen, our amazing admin. Amazing does, admin. Does, uh, seriously, when I say, I don't know if she really believes it. When I say I wouldn't be doing this show without her, I wouldn't be doing the show without you. You know that. But Colleen's not in the studio very often. And I wouldn't be doing the show without her because I, it's I all the stuff yeah. we couldn't do. I, I couldn't keep up with what she does so effortlessly. She's so creative. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Colleen. And happy holidays, everybody. We are broadcasting to you from the beautiful KXFM radio stations here in Laguna Beach. Excellent. The holidays are in full swing. People are doing their last-minute Christmas shopping, and it's been awesome. 
last week, listener, one of our most inspirational shows. I knew it would be. Yeah. Just was feeling into it. And and I say that with 10 years of experience under my belt, that's 52 shows. That's 520 shows because we pretty much have been good at, at being here every week. Drew Brophy's, um, his miraculous recovery from COVID and truly miraculous. I mean, you go back and listen. He was a month uh, in, in a coma. It took him another three months to be able to move, start to move his paralyzed body. Couldn't swallow, couldn't speak, couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. Hearing doctors and nurses in the hall saying, this guy should be gone. You know, we, we better use a bed for someone else that might have a chance. Lost 100 pounds, weighed probably between 90 and 100 pounds. I mean, and this is a guy who's a big wave surfer, pipeline, an incredible artist, huge fan base all around the world. You can check out Drew Brophy. And his information, Drew Brophy, D-R-E-W-B-R-O-P-H-Y dot com and look at his art. And we'll have Colleen put up some of his his uh, art that you can and you're going to think it's kind of familiar. And it's probably familiar to you because you've seen his art on surfboards. And I'm going to bring you and on both. jackets. The other oh. night I was sitting at uh, Slice, you know where this is in, in Kaleidoscope. It's like a shabu shabu kind of place. And this little kid sitting by me and I'm like, that's Drew Brophy's art on that on that sweatshirt right there. And he's going to be our next guest. It's <laughs> cool. <laughs> pretty cool. You are an amazing artist. Uh, it, and it's psychedelic. It's 60s-ish looking at times. I but And I look at it and I know that you work, is it 100% in Posca pens? Uh, most of it, yes, is in uh, Uniposca pens. I've been using since the 80s. Okay, so Posca pens are a blendable. Are they watercolors? Uh, they're water-based acrylic Okay. Uh, paint pens. And what's great about them is they, they blend really good, and they allow me to paint really fast. Mm. And so I was a production surfboard painter, and, um, you know, you have to paint like 10 boards a day. And so I could blaze through those boards and make them look amazing was lost uh, uh, one of the brands that you yeah lost was uh probably the brand that launched my career okay but i was a production surfboard painter for many years before that um i was an amateur surfer my, uh, as a teenager um, i'm originally from myrtle beach south carolina and i used to get invited to surf all the surfing con competitions out here and uh, i did pretty well but i was kind of known more for my surfboards than my surfing and so I ended up basically being a surfboard uh, painter with airbrush on the East Coast. And then I wanted to keep surfing, so I eventually moved to Hawaii and was painting boards on the North Shore of Oahu for all the best surfers and shapers in the world. And then uh, years later, I came to California, and that's when my career really took off. And that was in 1996. 96. And yeah. that was an exciting time. We were seeing... Uh, the Volcoms, the you know the the explode like the rebirth. We said we there was the old companies that people knew the Quicksilvers and things like that. But yeah. all of a sudden there was a lot of new surf companies that just exploded in those nineties. Yeah, and it was just you know it was an amazing time. Uh, just being a part of the surf industry is extraordinary. It's a great avenue for artists. Um, because everything has to be designed, all the T-shirts, all the board shorts, all the surfboards, all the advertising, the skateboards, wakeboards, snowboards, boogie boards. Um, we had Tom Mori. Yeah, Tom, of, Tom's great. Yeah, inventor of the boogie board. We had him on the show. Yeah. Single-handedly responsible for more people riding waves than any human ever. Yeah, he was a neat dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, uh, I really didn't ever set out to be an artist. I, I just set out to be happy. And the things I, were, I was good at was surfing and art. And it's funny, my high school guidance counselor pulled me in and the office when I was a teenager and was just like, Drew, we're really worried about you. You can't surf and do art for the rest of your life. <laughs> I was like, you proved him wrong. The conditioning. And I was like, wow, those are the only two things I'm good at. Um, <laughs> so I, that's all I've ever done. So I guess I proved her wrong. And that is the, you know, people with all the best intentions, our parents, the educators, the academics, you know, come on, let's get serious now and and buck up and and do it life the real way you did your surfing you've departed your your art but you know you're not going to make money at that i mean how many people have just been stopped in their tracks before their passion ever got ignited yeah you know it's a really sad thing and they really tried to do it to me too and um for all you parents out there and for all of you uh kids and the people that love to do art um it is a viable career everything has to be designed if your kids into art send them to art school because you know he might be doing little cartoons right now but after he gets done at art school he might be designing cars Mm. you know he could be designing buildings he could be designing all kinds of stuff and you know it's not just painting pretty pictures it's articulating information so you know somehow artists got put down at the bottom of the list with all the craftsmen you know i don't know how it was that you know, back in the day, all the craftsmen were looked up to. Michelangelo's. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all the sculptors, the painters, the architects, you know, even things like uh, the electricians and the plumbers. Like somehow these all became blue-collar jobs that people looked down on them. You know, the amazing craftsman woodworker became a construction worker, like demoted. Whereas these are the people that know how to do everything. You know, they should be put up on a pedestal, uh, not not put down. And I kind of felt like that with art, you know, people were kind of like acting like it wasn't a real job. And here it was, I was making more money than most of them. Um, just painting surfboards. I never went to college. And uh, I was just sitting there like, wow, you know, these people look down on me, even though, you know, I'm doing something amazing. And my life was amazing because I was traveling around the world painting surfboards. Uh, Sounds very dreamy to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah you were living the dream. I, I, lo- I love that. I never set out to be an artist. I you set know, out to be happy. I want Colleen to break that out yeah. and make that its own little mm-hmm. blurb yeah. because that's the real important message here. What makes yeah. you happy? Yep. Yeah. And that's that's following it for its right reasons. I'm uh, g- good friends. Uh, he was a part owner in my boat for a while, Tom McElroy, if you know him from Volcom. He yeah. was one of the founders of Volcom. And he said, I just wanted to have a job that would support me, you know, traveling the world surfing. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, I really did have a plan. You know, I wanted, um, I wanted to have a family and I wanted to have a simple life. I wanted, uh, you know, my wife, you know, so when I met Maria, you know, she was on board to, to work with me and build this great life. It wasn't like just being an artist. It was like, it was all one thing, you know? That's the beauty of you two as a, you're a team. Maria has her own website that helps artists. How perfect is that? That you work as, as this loop of infinity with the way both of you flow together. Yeah, that's my side hustle. (laughs) And that's Maria Brophy. So M-A-R-I-A-H, B-R-O-P-H-Y. And she helps artists go through the, if you're really serious about it, of how to become 
a professional artist. Right. And I wrote a book called Art Money Success. It's on Amazon. And it basically shares everything we learned the hard way and the easy way with growing Drew's art into a really viable business that supported our family. Mm. Yeah. And I love sharing that information because there's a lot of little things that little little changes that people can make in how they do things that will make the difference between making it as an artist and not making it as yeah. I think that's such an important thing to bring up because I, I've seen where people start these small businesses because they have a passion for something, but they really don't have the skill of business because their passion is something else. So it, it's as if they need the mentor to help them fine tune that so that they can highlight what they are good at. We, it, you know, it takes, takes a village really. It takes all of us having our own little piece of the, the pie, the wheelhouse. We, we all are different, good at different things. Yeah. So you two complement each other beautifully. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We're very lucky because, you know, everybody told us that it was impossible to do what we wanted to do. You know, we had lots of friends that were, you know, good business people and, people we looked up to and they were all saying, oh, that's a terrible idea. You know, you don't want to do that and you don't want to work with your wife and you don't want to go alone, you know, because all these companies wanted to hire me in-house, all the surf companies. And, um, you know, I'd go up to Irvine from San Clemente and I felt too much like going to work. <laughs> I was like, I surf every day. I don't want to be up here in Irvine. Report to an office. <laughs> I mean, Put a time clock. Put a tie on. And, yeah. And at that stage of the game, like, it was kind of being bought into by all these big licensing houses. So, you know, I'd be in these offices when I'd be the only guy that actually surfed. I'd be like, man, I'm in trouble. And so, you know, I just kind of steered away from that. And, you know, Maria and I went alone and um, it's the best thing I ever did. You know, everybody told me I was making a really bad decision, but now all these years later, we look like geniuses. Mm. Um, so you got to, you got to have some conviction on your decisions and, and really have a plan and, you have to be self-motivated and you have to, you know, deliver. If you can deliver consistently and be easy to work with um, and your your art be good, I mean, you, you'll make it. To thine own self be true. But, you know, your art could be like extraordinary. But if you build a reputation of not getting it done or being difficult to work with, you know, nobody cares. Even unto yourself. I mean, yeah. your first boss is you. Yeah, You know, where you just like, ah, oh, I can do this, but, eh. you know, I did it once or I'm never going to be a Drew Brophy, so why bother? You know, I mean, there's there's a million things of why we shut ourselves down from doing any artistic endeavor. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing. It doesn't matter what you paint. It doesn't matter uh, who likes it. You know, somebody, no matter what you paint, somebody's going to love it and somebody's going to hate it. Don't focus on the people that hate it. Just focus on the people who love it. There's lots of people in the world. You know, and there's people that collect all kinds of stuff and like different things. And it's never been a better time to be an artist. Mm, that's, I, I, that's beautiful. That is. What what got you interested in sacred geometry? Oh, and, wait, wait, oh, wait, wait. Oh, boy. Oh, that's Eric's topic. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> oh, believe, I'm going to have Colleen take that out. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, no we're still talking about surf stuff. I'm thinking about all this. I'm we're looking gonna, at the time going, okay, we've got to get there. We're going to get there. 
Um, I, I was, <laughs> Are you a little bit controlling? Tonight? Yes, tonight I am. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's all mine. Yeah, right? Okay, I won't say another oh word for the rest gosh. of the night. He can push a button and make me shut up. Watch this. <laughs> if it's only like it were trick. that easy. Oh, thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I'm glad I know myself. So uh, all I'm, right. Well, Any, take it anyway, first. so I want to talk about a, a few things because, we're, you know, art, I think, is such a huge thing. Yes. I think we're artists first before we're anything else. I mean, I'm it's not. such a... Yes, you I don't are. even draw stick people. No, they don't They don't even come out. Your <laughs> art... Well, there's many forms of art. Okay. Okay. There's many forms take of that. art. You, you, we're talking about visual arts right now. Every, but everything's art. Everything is art. And we're taught that or at least we used to be when i started kindergarten what'd you do you did art and music and play and socializing and snacks and napping and it's like school's gonna be awesome <laughs> yeah and then first grade it's like okay you, all that's out of the way now <laughs> no, you're now you're gonna take they, they start, they start yeah. beating it out of you yes and and it's such a kind of a cruel joke almost is that they convince you that art must really be important if we're going to spend so much of our day doing some artistic pursuit. And then all of a sudden, it's like the older you get through the school system, it's just slowly pulled out. You still do fun stuff in first grade, second grade. By yeah. the time you're in third, fourth, it's kind of gone. And then it's extracurricular. Now there's no money for extracurricular in many schools. So it's kind of like, eh, that didn't it, really matter anyway. Well, it's funny that, you know, the they kind of downplay art and, you know, it's really downplayed now. Like most of the schools don't have art programs. We desperately have, uh, or we have teachers desperately asking us for stuff all the time because it's usually a substitute or a mom that's doing art for their school. And anyway, like I just, even sitting in a classroom, I mean, you look at all the illustrations and books, all the photography, everything has to be designed. Every single thing, everything from the door to the desk. I mean, it's all art. And, you know, just it's just dumbfounds me that they downplay art so much when it's literally everywhere. I think what you're bringing up is a good point that it feels to me like there's there we're in we're at this precipice in time where old systems that we see, you know, kind they're not serving us anymore. A lot of the old systems aren't serving us anymore. And it's time for us to, you know, pull up our big girl pants and big boy pants and say, what are we going to do to change it? And one of those things is to empower ourselves and each other to make that a priority, to make art a priority. Yeah, to, well, to, you know, we're all like creation machines to make things beautiful, to make, you know, ideas uh, presentable to people. Not everybody's able to uh, enjoy an idea if it's not packaged correctly that's kind of what an artist does he articulates things you know um so other people can understand i mean music's a great one i mean and even photography i mean people say oh i could take that picture i'm like no you couldn't because you wouldn't even seen it because you'd been so preoccupied you wouldn't even have noticed but the photographer did and he froze that moment in time um you know artists do that and make just make you know making our world a, a more beautiful place you know, making a place worth living in, um, no matter what it is that you do, just the way you're, the being that you are, uh, the way you present yourself to the world. Are you adding to the world or subtracting from the world? Mm -hmm. 
and you should look at everything you do that way. Mm. Seriously, that's a huge thing. I know. Where are we at? I'm writing that one down too. Every, Colleen needs to break that do. one out. Are you adding to the world? Are you subtracting from the world? And you know what? It's not rocket science. Uh-huh. It's by your actions, whether, whether they're personal interactions, interpersonal interactions with yourself or how you're treating the, the, your career or anything. Is this adding to the greater good or is this particular th- thought, word, action d- detracting? Is yeah. it taking away from that's in that moment? It's not a hard thought. Yeah. We might think, oh, I have to do this or that's the way the real world works or whatever. You start justifying but if you really just scale it back jesus said with the simplicity that a a a child can understand it so did einstein if you can't explain it to a child you don't understand it well enough yourself yeah um i'm gonna i like to dabble in a lot of things art music different different things and i heard a couple weeks ago the word amateur and I go, well, that's kind of what I is. Not what I is. I'm not much of a, a linguist. You, you, you is really something, <laughs> really Eric. Something special. Um, but I heard the word amateur. Tell me, in, I'm going to ask you, Maria, what does amateur mean to you? Very quickly. Amateur means somebody who doesn't know very much about the subject. <laughs> okay. Michelle, what does amateur mean to you? Somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience. Okay. Drew, what does amateur mean to you? Uh, somebody who's not uh, making money off of something. That's my. That was my take. Yeah. Somebody's not making money. All three of those are wrong. Amateur comes from the same, the etymology of it is A-M, A-M-A, amor, ama, love. You did it first for the love of doing it. Ooh. Not thinking about how much money you were going to make by doing it. And I'm like, Crap, that all of a sudden that makes amateur sound a lot better. Yeah. I wasn't motivated by the money first. I'm motivated by the love of wanting to do it. And how that word amateur got just scribbled over. Yeah. If you're an amateur, you're nobody. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to make money from it. Yeah. And it didn't mean any of those. Your motivation to be an amateur was, I love this and I'm going to do it. If I happen to get paid for it and become really good at it like you in art great but that's not what the motivation was and speaking of before we get into sacred geometry michelle brain fog insomnia moodiness achy joints weight gain maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older or that's what your doctor tells you but midi health understands that for women over 40 they can all be connected Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 
The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. I, <laughs> wah, wah. Back to my question. <laughs> How did you, did you have any art training? You know, I didn't. I, um, I took a... Uh, art in high school, but it was, you know, my high school in Myrtle Beach was um, not that great. And uh, it was like construction paper and crayons. So I, I did my best, but um, I took two college courses in community college and I got bad grades because, uh, you know, there was a lot of retired people in there and I was like the only young person and um, it moved kind of slow. So, you know, I would finish the drawing or whatever and then get bored and start adding to it and making it crazy and evidently I wasn't following the rules. <laughs> so I was not getting, I didn't get a good grade. And so I was like, what am I doing here? So that's about the time I moved to Hawaii and just said, I'm just going to go surf and paint surfboards. And uh, that was a much better choice for me. And airbrush, did you, how did you take Yeah, that so up? so airbrushing boards is more of a technical job. It's kind of like painting cars because you're painting the core, the surfboard, the foam. So, you know, I, I mastered that and I was a really good airbrusher, still am, um, but it's slow and laborious. So then that's when I developed the style out of the Posca paint pens where I paint on the glass of the board. But it took a long time for it to catch on because it didn't look the way surfboards were supposed to look. And so everybody was like left scratching their head like, what is this? And it wasn't until uh, my friend Matt Biolas at Lost, when I came here for the summer, he let me do whatever I wanted on his boards. And... Uh, once the public saw it, they were sold. So Matt and I instantly started traveling around the world. Mm. And it is, it, it's reminiscent of like psychedelic 60s-ish sort of stuff. There's something kind of familiar about it. Yeah. But it is, it's something, when I look at it, I see technical ability. Yeah. I, the blending, the shading, and you say paint pens. It's like, well, that doesn't sound like, you know, yeah. big, big Somebody deal. invented those paint pens. They're, they're, ma they're made for kindergarten kids in Japan. Seriously. Yeah. and But they're amazing. Like, they never anticipated them being an art tool. It was more like, kind of like a crayon or something. And, you know, now, you know, many years later, I do a lot of stuff with Posca, and it is a premier art tool for artists all over the world. Do you sell them on your website? We do. We we don't sell them. On the, we have them in the gallery, mm -hmm. um, but there's plenty of pl places online that you can get them that do a much better job at sales than me. But uh, you know, I used to travel around the world. I've worked in 17 different countries around the world, and at the time, you could only get Poscas in Japan. Wow. So I used to get the Poscas, and then I would go to another country and work for a month. And inevitably, there would be an artist there watching me. And I would leave the paint pens with them. And uh, I used to spread Poscas around the world. You spread some with me? You gave me a yeah. dozen. Yeah, I'd, I'd give them to everybody because I just thought that they were such a great tool to learn how to paint. Very unintimidating process. Um, the method in I paint is, uh, 
is very methodical and easy to follow. So I try to teach people, you know, how to paint and where they go from there. Who cares? They already got their color theory and their confidence. That's the big thing is being able to do something and then feel good about it so that you'll do another thing. But sometimes with, you know, more sophisticated, like tubes of paint and brushes, you get frustrated, you don't finish, you tell yourself you're terrible at it and you never do it again. So the Poscas are great for that. They are. And they're forgiving. Not only do they blend, but you can put black down and it's like, oops, and you can take white and it'll go over the black. It's pretty amazing. They were great for me because, you know, my art is heavily inspired by, you know, the album covers of the 60s and 70s and uh, Surfer Magazine, artists like Bill Ogden out here in Laguna, um, Rick Griffin, uh, who's unbelievable. Uh, You know, I liked like masters like Salvador Dali. Yeah. And, you know, my art just is really bright and colorful. And, you know, of course, I paint a lot of stuff in surf, so a lot of waves and suns and, you know, kind of the also the, the hot rod culture of Southern California, you know, Ed Roth and uh, Robert Williams uh, artists. And, you know, just soaked up, you know, that whole surf, hot rod, beach culture, music, and all wrapped into one. And everything's alive in my paintings. They're, everything's moving and vibrating. I love them. I, my, and- my favorite glass that I drink out of, I bought at your gallery. It's the one, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a nice size glass yeah. and it it's your sun sun yes yeah, sunrise painting sunrise painting and that's what i take my vitamins with every morning that's awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> it makes me happy yeah so good all right well there comes a point in your life here you are painting airbrushing traveling the world surfing doing all this psychedelic very fun vibrant surf culture art and something happens where you get turned on to sacred what we call sacred geometry oh yeah let's Let's go ahead and go there because it it feels to me like a, a either a flowering or a, a an expansion of who you are by your introduction to this sacred geometry. Yeah, you know, well, you know, as an artist and as a surfer, um, as an artist, I notice everything. I'm totally aware of everything, especially in nature. And then as a surfer, you know, you're all worried about the waves, so you become like an amateur meteorologist. So I was always, you know, studying weather and climate and, you know, traveling globally, you become a, you know, global climatologist and you notice patterns and you start wondering, okay, well, you know, how come the waves aren't good like they were last year? And so you start studying, you know, bigger things like solar physics and things like that because it influences the weather. Well, this led me to some conferences that, you know, where there was, uh, guys talking about physics and, you know, I didn't go to school. And so I didn't know anything about that, but I was all into nature and, uh, you know, I love nature. I love waves. And so physics was right up my alley. I was like, Oh man, this is great. It's the study of nature. And then, so I started getting introduced to new clients based off of these conferences and they were giving me new things to paint. The first one was a company that does structured water. Well, I'd never heard of structured water, so I was just like, okay, well, I got to learn about this. So they gave me all this information, and, you know, we're talking about all the different electromagnetic fields of elements and how it was creating, you know, complex structured molecules within the water. I was like, wow, that sounds fascinating. So I was studying, like, people like Victor Scharberger and 
you know, uh, Walter Russell and Buckminster Fuller. And, you know, I'm diving deep into this. I'm like, wow, how'd I go through life not knowing any of this stuff? Kind of made me feel stupid. But I, um, I recognized it in nature. I was like, oh, wow, nature has all these, these cool shapes and these, you know, very specific things that it does. And as I studied it, I was like, man, this can't be right. You know, so the only way I knew to, you know, do it is or understand it was to try to paint it and draw it. And, man, I mean, as you know, you know, making your your 3D sculptures is like you start doing it. It's like meditating. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there's no way this is going to line up and this is going to line up and it's going to make this three-dimensional articulation drawing and it works. And you're just like, no way. Like, who discovered this? Who came up with this? And that's before you even get into the mathematics of it all. And you're talking about the flower of life or what we would call the seed of life, flower of life. Yeah, so, you know, just the base foundation of the flower of life will lead you to discover all the different platonic solids and, you know, you know, different symbols that we see throughout time. Did you, how did you apply, did they ask you to use the flower of life for their water or was that your idea? Um, I, I mainly got that from looking at, uh, you know, like Buckminster Fuller stuff and uh, diving in a, a, a little bit deeper and trying to understand how to be able to draw that kind of stuff. Um, and that painting I was doing like, uh, cluster water molecules, and but the basic foundation was the flower of life. For and I found I find that that's the I can draw anything with that foundation. That's because it can fractal. It can fractal small. It can fractal big. Yes. And it, we, I have all these pipe cleaner models, styrofoam yeah. and pipe cleaner models in my apartment. So you got and I've shown them to you before. Um, it does something to you, just like you said, either yes. drawing or looking at them or. In 3D format, we've had, so we've had Nassim Harriman on the show. We've had Robert Gray on the show. We had Michael Evans on the show that had this form that he called the Tryon Ray. Yeah. Um, I'm passionate about all this. And it is, when, you, when your mind drops deeper into it, you realize that it is something that holds everything else. Yeah. And it's like you're remembering something you already knew. Yes. And it's fantastic. Like if they taught this in school. And how it correlates with everything from art to music to geometry to mathematics. To, yeah, I mean, do you teach that when you teach? Do you teach art classes and help to incorporate that? We we have in the past, um, and you know, it's probably a bigger task than I'm up for. But just the idea of being able to have this foundation of something that you know, all of a sudden you have the artist that starts being good at math and vice versa. What's interesting to me is it seemed like all the masters knew about this stuff. You know, it's what makes composition good. You know, it's what makes the rhythm of a poem good. Mm. It, it's what makes a song good. And, you know, somebody can look at a piece of art and they like it or they don't like it, but they don't know why. If you include, you know, some of these concepts within the composition, the painting can be done poorly, but they'll still like it. It's crazy. And then and then the reverse, you could be a master painter and have all that stuff off and somebody hates it. They don't like it. They don't know why, but they, they're like, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I, uh, it wasn't the first time I went to, to Burning Man, but one of their most famous giant art installations was called Bliss Dance. And it's this woman that's like 60 feet tall, made up of small 
little pieces of steel and then encapsulated in a wire frame of some sort. So it's lit from the inside. You can see through it, stood on this pose like on one leg without any guy wires or other supports. Just this amazing piece of art. And the artist was there one day when my buddy and Art uh, and I were walking around. And Art, he's a uh, archi- architectural, he's an architect. Uh, yeah. And he uh, said, so what program did you use to make this? Because it just looks like a scaled up something that was either 3D printed or something. And the guy goes, I like to think I use the program that Michelangelo used. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Perfect answer. Yes. It's like <laughs> I look at nature. I see how nature, because nature repeats. We've had Robert Grant on numerous times. And he's like, our life is kind of about pattern recognition. Absolutely. And if you don't see the patterning in life, you're kind of missing a lot of it. Yeah. And I believe that. Well, that's what I was seeing in nature my whole life. And so when, you know, I discovered sacred geometry, uh, I was just like, oh man, this makes total sense now. This is what nature's doing. This is, this is how the world is being built from the smallest things to the biggest things. And it was so eye-opening. And, and that's when I started uh, meeting a lot of people like Nassim and becoming friends with him, which was great. Did some adventures with him. And learning about his, uh, you know, connected universe, you know, quantum field theory, which, you know, was fascinating. And um, I never thought of myself as being interested in physics, but I'm interested in nature. And that's what physics is, just a more fancy word for it. Yeah. But, you know, I see it everywhere now, you know, in the way the waves move and the way the atmosphere moves, you know. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, you see it in people, just the, you know animals how beautifully constructed everything is proportion yeah. i mean you start recognizing proportions yeah and you definitely recognize it when it's out of whack yes so it's like hearing a you know a bad note in a song and it's like oh you know so when the proportions are out of whack on a person or a you know a tree or a building or it could be anything you know it just it stands out and you don't like it you're like oh so it's and you see these proportions, once you become aware of it, there's this beautiful as above, so below essence to all of life. You can look at the smallest thing, uh, like a snail shell, and see, oh, there's, if you know what a Fibonacci spiral is, you go, oh, yeah. there it is. And then you can look at, scale it up to look at something bigger and bigger and bigger until you're looking at our Milky Way galaxy yeah. and saying, wait a minute, how is this patterning that's the small, and that is the holy grail in physics that Nassim you know, is working on this unified field because right now particle physics doesn't speak to macro physics, how yeah. the planets move and everything else. There's a lot of rules and laws that all work. And then we get down to particle physics and go, well, there's a lot of rules and things. They all work, but they don't talk to each other. Yeah. They don't agree. Right. The math doesn't agree. Right. And, so and either they're wrong. One's wrong or they're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or there's something like our logical mind says the bigger things must be made of smaller things. And nature is showing us that the same patterning that made this little tiny snail shell or even smaller and made a universe is the same patterning. So yeah. it, it does say whether it's intelligence or design or something with God's thumbprint, it's on everything. Yeah. I mean, my near death showed me that we are the energy and the energy is a, a self-organizing system. That's what it does. It creates, it's a, it's a creation machine. Mm. That's why we're creation machines. And it's probably creating life everywhere, this energy. And it, 
there's spin. Everything's spinning out of this. The matter's spinning out like the energy's like spinning it into, you know, these more and more complex things. You know, we're probably one of the most complex things around. The human body's absolutely amazing. You mentioned Walter Russell, and he has a famous line, all direction is curve and all momentum is spiral or vice versa. Yeah. Alan Watts, who I listen to all the time, he's like, everything in nature is wiggly. What's our obsession with straight lines and hard angles? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's easier to compute, obviously. Why? Maybe the attraction to it is if you're going to sit down and teach children. because, But everything that we see, Jesus in the book of uh, Thomas, it's not in the canonized Bible. Yeah. His, his disciples are saying, who do we go out and tell people you, you, you are? Or how do we describe you to people? And he goes, tell everyone you meet, I am motion and rest. Mm. And I'm like, man, that is so powerful. That's something, that's someone so tapped in that does understand how God works. Because when you talk about spin or pulse or torque, you need this motion like that. You need the curvature. You need breathing models like I showed you Michael Evans' work. You need all that that straight line geometry doesn't hold. And yet that's what's just drilled into everybody is the straight line geometry. And yet when you look at sacred geometry, what you recognize first is it's all curve. Yeah, Some people think it's all circles, but it's really all arcs of 60 degrees, one sixth of a circle. Mm. And it makes this little eye shape or leaf shape or pod shape. And from there, it just expands and, and hidden in it, like you've said, and Robert Grant has seen it holds all the ratios. It holds the phi and it holds the pi and it holds yeah. the golden and it holds all these things if if you just peel into it or can see deeper into it. But we're not taught the importance of that at all. In fact, you know, there's this motion on, on social media, the flower of life, some people call it the daisy of death. And I'm like, oh, come on. Are you just being yeah. countered to be counter? You see it in nature everywhere. You can actually see this patterning yeah. verbatim that looks like sacred geometry. Why would you ever call something like that in nature the daisy of death? <laughs> yeah, well, they just, they don't understand what it is. And, you know, basically it seems to be some type of articulation of what nature is doing. Yes. You know, and I look at the straight lines as as like, you know, that geometry is the, the articulation or the, the measurement, but the curved lines are really what's going on. Yes. Yeah. And curved lines are hard to map, especially if you think they're flowing and twisting. Yeah, they're not, they're never static. They're never static. Yeah. Yeah. Buckminster Fuller, you mentioned him, you know, he had this model he called the vector equilibrium. He says that's just valuable to look at as a concept. It never looks exactly like that. Yeah. You know, and nature is always moving and undulating. And, you know, I don't know. Like breathing. Yes. And there's uh, three physicists that just won the Nobel Prize. And the Nobel, I guess, in science, shies away from quantum mechanics in quantum theory because it's so hard to pin down. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, it's exciting to talk about. There's f- people that, it's usually thought experiments that they're experimenting with, Schrodinger's cat or any of these other things. But these three scientists started talking about more or less, if I was understanding it right, taking a snapshot in what physics is doing, like holding a local momentary idea or a picture or something that you could wrap your mind around, but understanding of what is going on in the big picture, it's flow, it's spin, it's pulse, it's torque, it's all, it's compression, it's expansion, it's rotation, it's gravity, it's radiation. But in that, here's a snapshot of it. 
what yeah. it can kind of look at. And when we get a snapshot, then we can start doing formulas with it. They these three guys won the Nobel Prize this year, like two weeks ago. That's awesome. And it's and everyone's talking about the big shocking thing is these theoretical, you know, quantum guys, uh, which science usually is kind of uncomfortable with unless you're in the field of quantum mechanics and quantum physics. So it's it's a it seems like people are getting more used to the idea. Uh, even Einstein. I mean, he was like thought the quantum theory had to break down at some point. It couldn't be exactly what we're understanding it to be because it seemed too fantastical. Yeah. And he started running out of words to describe it. You know, just spooky action at a distance and all these things because th- nothing truly made sense. And yet it seemed like that's the way the universe is working. And and sacred geometry to me is that snapshot. And we see it all over the world. The incredible thing about it, before cultures were communicating with each other, supposedly, we see this flower of life pattern all over the world. Yeah. Um, and that's that's like, how would that be? Yeah. And it means that strikes me also. Um, you know, we were in e- Egypt and the Assyrian and those flower of life that are on the, the walls there. You know, they're high up. I had to get on somebody's shoulders to look at it. You know, and you can watch all the videos in the world and read all the papers on it. But, you know, I've been an illustrator my whole life and it's really hard to draw like 16th to an eighth inch line, perfect, much less do circles with it. And these things are about 16th to an eighth of an inch wide, perfect, no bleeds, no mess ups. Now it's, it's difficult to do the flower of life. Right. Yeah. And this is and, the temple in Abydos? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks it's like... You know, it's they don't even know how it's applied into the rock. Yeah, so they, you know, there's arguments as red okra or something, but it it seems to be like burned into it to me because it doesn't seem like the okra would stain it so perfectly. It's crisp. It's not. It's not muddied. And I'm just sitting there as an artist, like going, like I couldn't take, you know, a tool today and be able to paint it that well on there. I don't know how the heck they did it. You know, so, you know, and there's not just one of them. There's like four of them. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're all, they're all cool. And, um, you know, I, I, I had no answers of how it was created, but it is done very well and accurately. And who knows how old that is. And, uh, you know, and I've seen other renditions of it around the world. And um, a lot of times just the seed of life carved into stone and things like this. Um where did it come from originally? I don't know. But I sure do enjoy learning about it. Me too. And it's it just keeps going deeper. That's the beauty of it. It just keeps expanding. You know, there's no end to people like Robert Grant, whose mind yeah. can, can just keep going deeper, deeper, deeper into what it's being revealed. Yeah. Um, that's the amazing thing about it. What you know, I, what I'm a master of it. Yeah, what I found interesting was after I was studying sacred geometry for a while, I started looking at my old paintings. And one- if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Wondering whether, you know, some of these hidden geometries were in there naturally. Mm. And so, you know, I had this like little uh, uh, device I made that measured, you know, 1.618 ratios. And I was finding that, you know, my lines were 1.618 distance apart from each other. That I was doing something naturally that, you know, I instinctively knew was something that was going to make people like it more. And, you know, my compositions, you know, had these great structures to it that, you know, nobody ever taught me. So I think you're naturally predisposed to, to want to use these types of layouts and things like that just because they're pleasing to the eye. And so the artist might do that naturally, just like a, somebody good at music, you know, would naturally put music together that people like. It, um, it invokes a feeling. Yeah, it's like your 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 senses are designed to 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 like this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and so it would make sense that if if it is that, then as a creator, you would create that as well. If you were tuned in, um, it's obvious a lot of people aren't because you know you instantly look at some and it's terrible. Like sometimes you'll see like a new car design or something and you're like, what were they thinking? That thing just looks lopsided. <laughs> oh, I've seen, uh, speaking of cars, because I like cars, the new thing is like this weird combination of fluid lines and then like these creases, like origami type of crease. Yeah. So you see this and then you just see like the whole door is just like, ah. and I'm like, wow, they just are just running out of things to do in a car. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> I always, you know, there's lots of things to look at throughout history. And, um, you know, there's just so much good design out there and um, different, like, you know, you think of Art Nouveau was like so cool. Mm -hmm. You know, the, different eras have different different things, but, you know, you just look at something like, a, you know, the early cars or the, you know, car, cars of the like 40s and 50s, you know, they just got more and more outlandish. And, you know, it'd be a lot of fun to design that stuff, but... Um, Even airplanes, you know, they look all sleek and aerodynamic. I'm for sure that stuff has all those, you know, geometries in there to make those things work. And often organic geometries. I mean, the airplanes yeah. and stuff look like dolphins, and yeah. you know, they're they're following the the perfect patterning. Happens yeah. to be what nature already modeled for us. Yeah. What was it? I was Victor Scharberger. You know, he was a naturalist, and he uh, was designing things. Uh, uh, ways to clean water just based off the shape of the the pond that it was in mm. and the flow and all this kind of stuff. And then he was talking about how salmon swim upstream because they have these special shapes on their their 
bottom of their gills or something that actually pull them upstream. Oh, wow. Like, so you didn't know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Are you going to file it somewhere in your head? <laughs> pull it out? Already, yeah, but already forgotten. <laughs> but, you know, just, you know, these things that just basic shapes that you see in nature, you know, they have uh, reasons for being there. They might be really subtle, but they have an important function. So, you know, it's just a lot to learn there. And Everything fits. And, uh, yeah, it's all great. And, and I try to apply it to my art any way I can. And uh, not to mention it's just beautiful. Like um, Maria and her friends, they all love the sacred geometry art better than my illustrative art. Aww. It's very meditative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maria, I have a question for you that just popped in my head, and it's totally off topic. But I heard you, do you do ceremonies with full moons? Yes, every month. Two of my besties and I put on a full moon ceremony in the gallery, and we have a sound healing, a guided meditation, and we include some Reiki in there. I want to be on that list. And so you're surrounded by true sacred geometry art? Yes, and I swear, in that room where we all gather, it's the sacred geometry art is all over the walls, and it feels like there's a vortex in there it just it's very powerful i'm so i don't know why it popped in my head maura hoffman was telling me that you did that with dre andrea yes i love andrea does the sound healing and christine does the reiki i guide the meditation and we throw in a few other things in there as well this is awesome yeah and it actually fit because you know you're surrounded by Drew's art. You've yeah. both now been in my apartment, and it's so weird. I made those models ten years ago yeah. of all this dimensional sacred geometry, and I can't not look at it daily. I, I and more stuff I shared. It's mesmerizing. You know, yeah, I, it is. Yeah. I shared with you that something I never noticed that what we Buckminster Fuller called the vector equilibrium is the core geometry of now what we call a Merkaba, the yeah. inverted tetrahedrons. That's kind of a big deal because so many people talk about this star tetrahedron is being yeah. the vehicle of our soul or whatever it is well the geometry that supports that is really the flower of life it's straight lines if yeah. you want to stay in the straight line of what a merkava looks like but it doesn't have to be it could be pulsing waves like the yeah. flower of life reveals yeah and well and then that just gets into the symbolism of old of like you know whether you know the metatron's cube or the star of david or the sign of solomon or all these you know, these are ancient symbols. Yes. And the thing that I find fascinating is somebody discovered all this stuff, you know, many, many thousands of years ago. And uh, it's the fundamental of, you know, so many things from, you know, architecture to, to music and art. A lot of this showed up about 6,000 years ago. What do you think of the ancient alien theory that this stuff could have been gifted to us? We didn't really discover it. It was it was a discovery made much longer ago than the human story. Yeah, I think the aliens are us. I think that uh, maybe, you know, something, you know, happened long ago and, you know, we developed, became highly intelligent, and then maybe there was a cataclysm and we got knocked back to the Stone Ages. That's uh, uh, Graham Hancock's theory. That he's promoted for many, many years, and he's got a. Have you seen his series on Netflix, yeah. Ancient start, Apocalypse? I, I want to. I'm yeah. hearing really great things about I mean, it from a lot of people. It's, I mean, big time. The production mm-hmm. of it, the animations, the computer yeah. graphics, 
um, it's telling the story that he's always wanted to tell. You could have yeah. told it in an hour and it's four, six episodes or something. Goes very deep, but it's that humanity or some species was here. Your Arctur, uh, not Arcturian, but Atlantean or Lemurian story. And he points to me, you, your. Yeah, because well, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't fully, you know, <laughs> some that can't be proved or whatever. I, I'm skeptical, but I also yeah. will. To me, hear it's it. more of a feeling and a vibration yeah. than it has to be. Like, but Graham solid. Hancock would say there was an intelligence that lived on this planet. Maybe they looked exactly like us, maybe they didn't, but it was all pre of this flood 12,000 years ago. So all these flood stories are really some sort of document, Mm -hmm. but there was a very advanced version of an Earth-based life form that could have looked like us, maybe didn't look exactly like us, and people are just, the uh, people are going nuts in both directions. Like, finally, this is making it to Netflix. We don't have to watch it on Ancient Aliens. And then, of course, the scientific community is like, well, you just set science back you know, a hundred years yeah. by your ridiculous theories. And any, well, if you watch the show, he's like, I just, it's interesting enough to want to be studied. Why don't you even want to take a look at it? That's know, his point. Well, you know, the, the evidence of the flood is there and it's a cyclical flood about every 12,000 years. So that is known. I mean, that's not in dispute. Um, and do, do the, you think that species that, that the human race sets itself up for some sort of a, a cataclysmic ev- event because of consciousness? Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's natural. I, I just think that the way the, the mechanism, after all the stu- stuff that I've studied, which has nothing to do with, uh, you know, aliens or anything like that, it's just the mechanism of, of the solar system. Nature. And the way, you know, it receives energy from the galaxy and the sun absorbs that energy and... It has to, you know, it, it can absorb too much and have to release it. So, you know, it seems like the sun has some type of solar outburst every, uh, very cyclically, like 12,000 year cycles. And in that, it, it resets everything. So I, th- I think that it might be a natural cleansing process, mm-hmm. not intentionally, but life would then have to uh, readapt to the new conditions. And so it would make sense that, a lot of things survive. Obviously, we're here and lots of animals are here. And, you know, we have remnants of, you know, all the reptiles and the birds and things. So, you know, And think, the dolphins with hands in their fins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it seems like the universe is creating life everywhere. And, and every time the conditions get reset, the life has to, has to reconform to it. Uh, I find it really interesting. I, th- I think it's worth debating. If anybody's ever actually been to some of these ancient sites, uh, like I've been to many of them. Which ones have you been to? I've been been to Egypt, I've been uh, places all in Mexico, Teotihuacan, and things like this. Palenque. Haven't been to Palenque yet, um, but I've been to other real obscure places in Peru, like Chan Chan and some uh, other pyramids down in Peru. And did you go to Puma Punca? I didn't, haven't been to Bolivia. Mm. I'd like to. Me too. Um, I was there twelve twenty one twelve. Oh wow! Um, but you know, you you've been to these sites. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to go like, oh my gosh, how in the world they do this? And not only that, that they're destroyed. They're all buried in mud and um, you know tossed about. And you're just like, okay, well, something really bad happened here. There's a real mystery here. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Gobekli Tepe. There's a twelve thousand year old ceremonial temple of some sort in southern Turkey. 
that's fascinating in its craftsmanship and its scale and its size. But Gobekli Tepe really means something like large rounded hill. Yeah. And it was buried intentionally yeah. in, a, in a hill so big that it looks organic. And they said the human power to bury the structure took more manpower than making it in the first place. I mean, it's just the, the, yeah. they're mind blowing things, and we and and that, that's the problem. The academic study, archaeology, wherever it is, comes up with an answer and sticks to that answer because the books have been written and the professors have been lauded over it, and no one wants yeah. to say it could be something else. And that that doesn't seem like the scientific pursuit to me. It it it, it doesn't let your Einstein's mind wandered. That's how he came up yeah. with his theories. It wasn't like because. The, the guy before you said so. Max Planck yeah. said, hmm, that's intriguing. Let's talk about this a little bit. He didn't say, this is what we've discovered, and that's right, and you're wrong. I, I'm shocked. It's Masaru Emoto we've had on the show, yeah. and before he passed. And he was just, he was stunned. He, it, it stabbed him in the heart. He's like, I'm not a scientist. I am a doctor, but I'm not a scientist. But I discovered something that should seem worth pursuing, that somebody in the scientific community would go, hmm, that is interesting. Let's study that. Z crickets from the scientific community, if not lobbying bombs and saying, you're an idiot. Anybody wow. believes it you're, is your His work idiot. is amazing because that gets into, you know, your intentions. Yes. You know, that his, he was showing that your intentions are affecting the water crystals. Yes. So anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, they need to look this up. That, you know, that the intention of the uh, person was affecting the way the crystals, water crystals grew in the ice and were creating these beautiful structures if, you know, they said certain things and then these, like, really ugly structures, like similar to uh, sacred geometry, the beautiful ones, and then the ugly, ugly ones just were, like, you know, all these broken things. And cancerous, almost. You yeah. Know, and, lobby. And it just, sh it just shows you how, you know, the, your intention is doing something. And so people think about intention... Um, with like saying good things or, you know, whatever, you know, those are just words. The real thing is controlling your emotional state, the way you feel. That is the true barometer of, of things. What you're pulsing into the universe. Yeah, and every it's, second. It's, it's literally a vibration. Mm -hmm. And the vibration seems to be able to make these complex structures. And, you know, a incoherent vibration and it creates chaos and, and destruction. Do you think maybe there's an invitation there, Eric, when you mentioned that Masura Moto was couldn't understand why the scientific community wouldn't embrace it? What if it's just up to each one of us to embrace it, and we do, we just leave behind the scientific community and build what we want to see and what we want to feel and probably what gravitate new, that way yeah probably what uh -oh. the new model is going to be you know is yeah. something we can't define it but we see all the broken systems mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what's academics or government or medical like we talked about in yeah. the previous hour everything kind of needs fixing and we don't know what really the fix looks like but what i love that that was brought up in that last show is where are we where are we giving our energy to it and and yes. I think that's a really poignant point, and that if we're re, if we're co-creating the earth we want to see or the world we want to see, it begins with each one of us. And what vibrations are we putting out? I think that's the important point of the show when we say, you know, 
music and conversation to raise the vibration. Not in a not in an egoic way, but a, a feel good way because yeah. that is what is harmony. That, that's the only thing you have is your thoughts and your your emotional state. So, and you're responsible for your thoughts and emotional state, and that's it. And if you can do good things with that, it'll be contagious. And so, in my case, I, I try to keep creating cool art, art that makes people happy. Mm-hmm. I try to be kind to people. Um, I think this whole experience that I just had that, you know, with the sickness is just showing the amazing ability of the human will and the human body. Just the fact that we can draw and think and make beautiful things. It's just fascinating, you know, and we love to do it. Um, I mean, just that in itself is cool, you know, and you can choose just not to be part of the disconnect that so many uh, organizations are pushing, you know, especially the media or any group of people that is seeking to cause chaos or division. You know, they're disconnected. You know, feel bad for them. They're suffering. Beautiful, but, beautiful place to, yeah, to express it. But, you know, you just, you have to build your own, you know, strength and power and broadcast that vibration out in whatever you do. You know, whether it's this radio show or whatever your job is, you know, you do it in service of others and, and with pride and, and living a life worth living. I always say, you know, like, especially after this experience I, I had last year was, you know, be a better person today, be a better father, mother, parent, you know, friend, you know, you should be trying to do that every day on every level. Um, and then those around you are in training to that vibration. Yeah, and everything has to flow. That's the other thing people are missing. That, you know, flow, like, you know, whether it's like me creating art or whatever people do as it work, you know, when we're paying money, money needs to flow too. It's just not this thing that you got to hold on to. It needs to flow. Everything, the water needs to flow. The air needs to flow. Your own breathing, breathing in and out. You know, there's this thing of flow. And you're a part of that. So it's giving and receiving. You have to be able to give and receive. I think, you know, one of my lessons was the receiving part. I was really good at the giving part, but then I'd have nothing left. And I think that's why I got sick. But yeah, it's all good stuff. I'm really happy with doing art and working with my wife and creating a good life and trying to be an example for people that it can be done. Mm -hmm. Because everybody told me that it wasn't possible. You know, now 30. I love that you proved everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We love proving people wrong. (laughs) And that you just did it with such grace. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to more Awakening Code Radio. Do you surf every day? I used to. Um, it was hard. You know, I had to learn to surf again after my ordeal. And it's for the first time in my life, I'm bad at it. So oh, wow. I'm sure you're better than you're, me. <laughs> yeah, you're still better than most people yes, in the water. I would think. But it's, you know, it's just hard to take that step down. And so I'm working my way back up and uh, I look forward to going on a surf trip somewhere really good and getting my time in the water. You know, really, I spent the whole year just really winning my control of my body back. Mm. Even that, and that includes painting. I couldn't, I couldn't paint because, you know, my fingers weren't strong enough. My arm wasn't strong enough. Uh, believe it or not, I couldn't sit for a long period of time because I had no meat. I was sitting on bones. Wow. So just like all these bizarre things I had to overcome. We had to carry butt pillows with us everywhere. <laughs> mm. wow. Are you back Are, as far as your weight and your, your muscles and all of that? Do you feel like you're 80% back, 90%, yeah, 100%? maybe 80 uh-huh. Um, I need to gain about 15 or 20 pounds and just, you know, continue to work out. And uh, my um, endurance is not as good as it used to be. And so I'm getting that back and it'll, it's all going to come back. My goal is to be better than I was before. I really want to show people that you can survive anything and still come out better. And so I have no doubt that's going to happen, but you have to be patient. And um, I'm painting. I'm enjoying painting. Uh, I do want to do better work. I want to do less stuff, but in better. You know, I feel I've earned it. Like every artist has masterpieces within them. And it's just whether or not you're given the time to create them. And so I think I'm ready just to to take that next step to do real meaningful work instead of just uh, stuff that's, you know, made to make into products and whatnot. Which has been great, don't get me wrong, but at some point you don't care anymore how many, you know, t-shirts and skateboards and things are out there. You want to create stuff that's going to last, you know, test of time. And, Need uh, like the Medici family for Michelangelo. Yeah. You know, he got paid by a benefactor and the, some of his best works was stuff that he made, you know, a good, yeah. good amount of money for. Yeah. And how fortunate, you know, artists only get better with age. And as I have more experiences, you know, the ideas get more complex. So 
you know, after everything I've been through now, I can only imagine what my paintings are going to be like. I wondered about that, if your painting changed, if your style changed or, you know, it seems like there was a before and now there's an after. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's more of a continuation, um, a big step forward, a big expanse. Um, Have I've, you tried to paint your experience? A little bit. Um, but there's, there again, you're, it's not something you see. Now, I could have gone the other way and painted the pain of being in the hospital and having a damaged body and all that. But that's not very interesting. So trying to articulate something that has no words or visual is virtually impossible. Yeah. How do you translate a feeling? And I, I really do think that, you know, all religions and, you know, all great thinkers, you know, found this inspiration through something similar to a near death or maybe plant medicine or maybe uh, meditation. That that's you can arrive there probably through those three things. And um, you know, my experience was so profound that, you know, I don't even know if I can tell people all the stuff that I learned. They'll think I'm insane. But it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about it. Doesn't it doesn't matter, but yeah. it's I wanna have lunch with you sometime and, <laughs> yeah. and hear some of those. <laughs> you know, like you know, I just, I think most people aren't ready. I think that you have to have, you you really have to have the right frame of mind to have those conversations. But I love that you're starting that dialogue because in order for people to get ready, the dialogue has to be started. Somebody has to initiate it in order to it's like raising the bar yes. and then getting to that place. And I I give a lot of, you know, I have so much respect for what Dr. Emoto did. Because he raised the bar and, and same with Nassim mm-hmm. and, sure. you know, yeah. I, I said this before on the show, but, you know, I've sat through, I, di- I didn't sit through all of Nassim's presentation at, at when I went to watch him because I didn't feel smart enough to understand what he was presenting, but I felt it. Yeah. And when I talked with him about that, I ran into him in France on a, on you just happened to run into him at, in France, you know, of all places. And I shared that story with him and I was crying saying, I ran out of your presentation crying because I felt dumb. And that was one of my childhood wounds yeah. that I was working through. And he really helped. He helped me so much that day because he really got deep with me. He grabbed me by the shoulders and looked in my eyes and he said, Michelle, I never want you to feel that again yeah. because the the emotional intelligence is really important. Mm. And I appreciated that. I felt like he gave me a gift that day. Yeah, for sure. And and that's where we raised, you know, there's different bars, there's different, people are all experiencing this time on the planet in their own way. Yeah, And, and in order for us to change it and co-create it, we have to plant the seeds. Yeah. So yeah. I encourage you to talk about everything that happened as if everybody's ready to hear it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a combination of paintings and speaking. Good. Yeah. So that maybe the painting will intrigue somebody to ask a question, and that question will show me that they're ready yeah. to hear the answer. <laughs> and your delivery is different than it was. It just your speaking. He's got a different tone, cadence. cadence. Yeah. Yes, it's when yeah. you're talking about this deep stuff. It's like your. I, I don't know if channeling's there's, there's the right an way. activation that's happening because there's yeah. some sort of vibration yes. in the way that he's presenting it. 
and we're feeling it. We, we, it, I, you know, I, I know that I say this all the time on the show that I'm a feeler rather than a thinker. And, but you do have to think there has to be a merging of your feelings with your thoughts. It feels like to me, but you're able to translate a feeling into words. That's really a gift. That's really important for us to get through this passageway. Yeah. We're, we're graduating at some level. The energy is changing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. The, it's, it's changing. It's going to continue to change. And people are going to go one way or the other. Yeah. What we might be sliding into is the grand disillusionment, you know, of just, I couldn't, I can't trust these big systems. I, I, I see certain things I, that I didn't see before. I'm seeing through the cracks. But after the grand disillusionment, you kind of, like Michelle would say, put on your big boy and girl pants and go, now what? It wasn't up to them ever anyway. I was yeah. looking for, to government, to somebody to fix a system or to deliver this to me, to make my life easier. That was all kind of distraction and smoke and mirrors. It was always up to us. Or giving yeah. the power away yeah. to, the, to the doctors or the, yeah. you know, anybody. and I don't want to put anybody down. I mean, people, I, one of the things I feel is people f- in our last show, you talked about, you know, you didn't, you didn't. You just want to be happy rather than, you know, somebody saying you can't do this for a job. Yeah. You weren't thinking of doing this for a job. You just want to be happy. Yeah. That is such a golden nugget right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people got into the medical industry because they wanted to help people. Yeah. You know, that that was the beginning of that. And then somewhere it got derailed somewhere. And And now, rather than giving our power over to somebody other than us... I, I think there's a lesson in all of this and how we work together yeah. with the power inside each one of us, but we're all pieces of that puzzle. I don't. I, I think Maria had a huge piece, even though you had to get right in your mind and, and do what you did, Maria was doing a heck of a lot on yeah. her end with be, your community. I wouldn't be here without her. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, I agree. Kudos to you, Maria. Seriously. Thank you. I really, I really just appreciate both of you so much in watching the way that you flow. Yep. Absolutely. We're a team. You are a team. You are a team. And that's what I believe every couple should view their relationship as, as being a team. Is this good for the team or is this not good for the team? Every decision we make. We like to say it's my job to make her dreams come true. Mm. Mm. It's her job to help me find my dreams come true and it was both our jobs to make our son's dream that's beautiful and if you can help anybody else along the way it's just a bonus yeah and in the past when we would have really big fights (laughs) my head would spin around drew would look at me and say on the same team (laughs) Mm -hmm. We we don't really fight anymore that's beautiful now that you know i almost lost him Mm -hmm. i i'm I wasn't going anywhere. Just so Pri- it prioritizes things. He, he can't do anything wrong in my eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so grateful every morning. I'm not kidding. Every morning I wake up and my arm, I like reach over for him, you know, and I feel him and I'm like, thank you, God. Mm. He's yeah. here. This is such a brief moment. When you go to the other side, it's so enormous that this whole experience here seems so infinitely small. Like a blip. Like, well, that was fun. Like nothing. Yeah. And so enjoy every moment. It's a gift. And when it's over, you know, you'll discover how powerful you really are. 
But here it's like, a, it's almost just picture yourself as a child in a playground. Have fun, you know, enjoy every moment. I think that's a, a key message as well, yeah. to, to view life in awe, just in awe of the fact that we are in human bodies with these capabilities to feel and play and experience joy. and Yeah, experience each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was another thing when you're laying on your deathbed. It's like uh, you don't think about money. You don't think about stuff. All you think about is people. And it's just like, oh, I'm not going to be able to say goodbye to these people. And I was just like, man. I, no way. I'm not, I'm not, I can't leave because I'm uh, not going to see my son again. No way. I got to come back. Like my, my head was just so matter of fact about those things. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go under. I got to do what it takes. I didn't know it was going to be that gnarly, but it was <laughs> gnarly, man. It was, it was it very was, gnarly. Yeah. It, it was just totally, gnarly. but totally humbling too. That's the other thing is, um, yeah, you think, I, you know, just something as simple as a sip of water. I didn't have a sip of water in like three and a half months. You didn't have a shower mm. in not, not three a and a half months, oh, four was, months, almost four months. That was awful. But just a sip of water, I mean, you know, you, you could complain about things all you want. But, you know, when you hadn't had water in three and a half months and you take a sip of water, it was just like heaven. Yeah. And... You know, the first time I ate something, I was like, oh, my gosh, I had applesauce. It was, like, incredible. <laughs> and then I wanted to eat something bigger, but I couldn't chew and I couldn't swallow. And you're just like, man, this is a drag. Nothing works, you know. But but it just shows you what you could be thankful for. Yes. Mm-hmm. You build on gratitude. Yeah, and now I'm just thankful for everything. I just giggle to myself. I, like, grab something or my reflexes are pretty quick again and I caught something. And I was like, yeah, you know, like that type of thing. And, you know, just what an amazing machine that this body is. And uh, if you choose to use it, your mind is absolutely amazing. And you can do wonderful things, whether it's creating art, creating music, you know, whatever it is that you do, create. Creating your experience. You know, creating a better world. Yes. That's about it. Wow. Well, thank you so much. This show went longer than the last one. Oh. We, we had to, we had to be in the hour in the last one. We had the luxury of being able to go over because we're, you know, we're pre-recording this yeah. show, so we have that luxury. And it's just been so awesome to just go in the flow with you, both of you, and hear both the story of your truly miraculous recovery, but the gratitude that's come from it, the person that you are now, the couple that you are now. You know, it's just it's truly inspiring. I think it was the perfect time perfect time of year perfect point in our lives to be sharing these very just, very yeah. divine timing it was for it sure. was that miracle we prayed for yep for so sure thank you and listener of course we're grateful for you if you happen to be listening to this live somewhere during the holidays of 2022 great if you're listening to this podcast and it's 5022 and you're flying around and you're <laughs> You know, you're on your hoverboard. Your Jetson mobile. <laughs> yeah, it finally came true. Yay. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, as we encourage everyone to do what we're doing our best to do, be, be good, good humans. humans. We'll see you next week. Night, everyone. Step out of your box on Awakening Code Radio. Incoming transmission. Back. Awakening Code Radio. Right now on our all request line, what would you like to hear? Hey, I'm sorry, I can't hear you too well. You're going to have to speak a little closer into the phone. What would you like to hear again? We are observing your earth. I'm sorry, but that's not on our playlist. And by the way, you sound great over the phone. 
just when I thought I was doing so well. Yo, Eric. You know, homie, look, I'm pulling knobs off the board. Let me put this back. This is Suzanne Holt from Virginia. I've been listening to Awakening Code Radio since 2014. Not only has it opened my heart, mind, and eyes, I've made lifelong soul family relationships. Thank you, Michelle, Eric, and Colleen, and happy 10-year anniversary, Awakening Code Radio. We'd say yeah. let every day be Christmas, but not let every day just be love day. Yes. You know, drop into, if you're conflicted, there is a voice within you that will say, what would love do right now? If you're having a fight, an argument, if you're in a fear state, you ask, what would love do right now? What would it sound like? What would it look like? What would the action be? It would it'll, love more. It'll come to you. It's not... Mm-hmm. It's not withheld from you. You will know what that is. Hi there. I'm Carly Tway of Market Babe Designs in Laguna Beach. And I just want to say congratulations, Awakening Code Radio, on your 10 years of being on the air. I also want to extend out gratitude to Michelle and Eric and all of the amazing guests that you've had over the years. I've been a listener for seven years years and you guys have been monumental in my expansion and aiding me in becoming the woman that I am today and I am so grateful. Thank you so much for everything you do. Happy 10 year anniversary. Hey there, this is Michelle from Awakening Code Radio, and I'm here right now with Jeffrey and Mavani. Hello. Hi. And we're at the Integratron with Eric doing Sonic Geometry during the week of our 10-year anniversary of Awakening Code Radio. So Jeffrey, where do you live? In Studio City. How long have you been listening to Awakening Code Radio? I think about eight or nine years. Wow, since almost the beginning. The work you do is so amazing. The people that you interview, I've learned so much over the years. And this is how I found out about this Integratron that we're at today. It's like a full circle right now. Well, thank you for that. Mavani, what about you? Oh, I love this radio show and the podcast. I usually listen to the podcast for 10 years. And I just love it. It feels like I'm right there in the middle of you guys. It just feels like family. And I learned so much from it. And all the people, I felt very expanded by listening to you guys. Well, thank you so much. I love you. We love you too. And thank you for being a part of the Awakening Code Radio family for our 10 year anniversary. This is Adnan Colleen, wishing Eric, Michelle, and that groovy chick who does all the editing, oh wait, that's me, a very happy 10-year anniversary. Who knew it would last this long? Who knew? Who knew indeed? All right, gotta go. My unicorn just arrived. Bye. You're probably asking yourselves, isn't he a weirdo? Outcast. Loose cannon. Maybe, I don't think so. Hola, soy Marge Violante, soy periodista web y editora en jefe de Emprendedora aquí en Ciudad de México y quiero desearle a Awakened Core Radio un fabuloso décimo aniversario. Recuerden, sean buenos seres humanos. Hello, I'm Marge Violante, I'm editor-in-chief of Emprendedor.com and a web journalist here in Mexico City. And I want to wish uh, Waking It Curl Radio a fabulous and an amazing 10-year anniversary. And remember, be good humans.
this is Julie from Adelaide, South Australia. I've been listening for over eight years. Awakening Code Radio has connected me with my tribe across all of this little earth and the vast dimensions. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us here. We have got a lot of people tuning in from all over the place saying they're enjoying the show and hearing from Yosemite Bear Vasquez, who is, of course, the double rainbow guy all the way across the sky. We're in studio with Michelle Anderson as well, who hosts these incredible dolphin journeys. And we spent this last week doing two amazing things. Michelle called it dolphins to the desert. So, yeah, we went on the water. And one of the things that I really thought was kind of fun was that when we went on the water it was not sunny out when we got on the boat do you remember that it was kind of overcast the story of my life (laughs) and i've i've always told i call him rainbow bear instead of yosemite bear but i've always told bear 
that his smile is like a thousand suns and it lights up any room, any, any dark place. His smile just lights you up. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. This is Milica Zimanich from Silver Spring, Maryland. I've been an Awakening Code radio listener for over four years. During that time, I've been moved, I've been inspired, I've been made to feel like part of a global tribe. Thank you so much, Awakening Code Radio. Happy 10th anniversary. People have to understand, when you categorize the world that you live in, which is what we were talking about, if I love somebody, it's late. it's a friendship at first because I, I appreciate what that person is. Agape is like being at the bedside, and I don't have to describe you, Ross. That is what that spark that makes people fall in love at first sight, or you you just love them because of who they are and how you feel around them. So if you learn to categorize those events, then your love becomes a power, and it becomes a knowledgeable presence in your life and in the life of the person that you are experiencing the value of your love in those categories. And you're also safe and protected because you have defined it as you entered into it. Hi, I'm Denise, and I live in Laguna Beach, and I'm an artist. And I have been listening to KXFM ever since the onset. And geez, I used to call in and win all kinds of cool things. So excited that you're all having your 10-year anniversary. So happy anniversary to KXFM and Awakening Co. Radio. Well, thank you, listener, for hanging with us. And as we remind all of our listeners, do your best to be good humans. Music to raise your vibration. We're on our way to realizing we're headed for a new horizon. We just might live the good life. This is Eric Rankin and Michelle Anderson from Awakening Code Radio right here on KXFM. We'd like to invite you to join a conversation to raise the vibration. Broadcasting live every Tuesday night from 8 to 10 p.m., we cover all aspects of the process of awakening, whether it's emotional or spiritual growth. And have hosted such luminaries as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, James Redfield, and many others. With a global audience, our show is one of the most listened to programs here at KXFM. And we would love for you to join the conversation. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.